Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Bixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Bixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. If you buy it today, you pick it up today. They offer 20 Sherwin-Williams colors to choose from, and a 40-year warranty. Baker Metal and Dixie Supply, two names, same great service. With the addition of their new store in Cantonment, Florida, they now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metal Works, your metal roofing headquarters. And also brought to you by Alabama Farmers Co-op. From backyard gardening to large-scale farming and everything in between, your local co-op has what you need to be successful. Since 1936, Alabama Farmers Cooperative has provided high-quality products and friendly service to community members and local farmers. With over 60 locations to serve you and 85 years of experience, you can count on the co-op. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.alafarm.com. I'm your host, Joe Baia, here today with my co-host, Butch Theory. And Butch, today we're going to be talking about alternative ways that you can use hunting apps. I think most people at this point, if you're not using a hunting app to just keep tabs on your property boundaries, your hunting stand locations, maybe even do some e-scouting, you're, you're missing out. I mean, just on those points alone, but just here in the last year or so, I mean, a lot like my smartphone, there are so many different features on these hunting apps that I've started to use that I didn't even know existed a year ago. And now that I, didn't I know, know you needed there, it probably, Oh man, I would not want to do without it. Yeah. So today we're going to, we're going to dive off deep into that. What's your favorite feature uh, on a hunting app right now? I would say with hunt stand in particular, I've tried a couple of different ones, but hunt stands, the one that stuck with me. I really like the hunt zone. I can put my, my bow stands and my, you know, more fixed stands, say food plot stands, for instance. And, um, you know, it'll give you hour by hour play by play you know, up to, you know, several days up to your hunt, it'll show you, you know, a red cone, which means that's where your scent's going to be blowing. Don't sit there, you know, if it's blowing over the plot or whatever, you can really hone in on those steer pretty much. Yeah. We're going to dive off into some of the different ways you can use these apps to get ready for a hunt after a hunt. Uh, but we're also going to talk about ways you can use it to scout and, and just for general land management to do that today. We're talking with Josh Dalkey with hunt stand. Josh, tell us a little bit about what you do over there at hunt stand. Well, hunt stand is cool because I guess everybody who works here, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but wears multiple hats. So primarily what I do is I run our content division. We produce a lot of article and video content, social media, email stuff. So I've got a team of folks I work with on that end, but then, you know, as, as one of the more, I guess, serious hunters in the group, I also spend a lot of time just working with our marketing and development teams to flesh out and develop new features and um, make tweaks to existing features and that sort of thing. Ah, it's cool, man. You know, Butch and I talk a lot about, you could tell when the marketing division has gotten a hold of something or the engineering division has gotten a hold of something. Cause like the engineers make really cool stuff, but they don't know how to explain how it's yeah. valuable to people and the, the marketing yep. people can really explain it well but if it's a crappy product from the engineers it doesn't work either it sounds like y'all got a little bit of both going on over there and you know the the way that this podcast idea came about was me out in the field applying herbicide and screwing it up honestly my utv was down we were having to use our my truck to apply herbicide i'm in the 
cab. My wife's sitting in the bed of the truck and we're hollering at each other. You know, all right, turn it on, turn it off, you know, do this kind of thing. And we spray our herbicide for the day. And we, I'm looking at things two weeks later and I've got this big green spot right in the middle of the field where I missed, I missed my application. And I was pretty frustrated by that because then I got to go back up, got to spray again, got to break out all the stuff and do it all over again. And I'm a couple of weeks behind on planting, you know, um, that kind of thing. And what I found in the, in the hunt stand app was the trace feature and being able to go in and select that feature to follow me around and allow me to see, Hey, this is where I've been on this field so far. And as I go into my fall plantings this year, that trace feature is going everywhere with me. It's going to go when I, when I put out my herbicide, it's going to go when I put out my seed and make sure that I don't miss any spots. I don't over apply. I don't under apply. I just thought, you know, that was a feature that I didn't even know existed on the hunt stand app. I've been using hunt stand for years, you know, to mark stands and do lots of different things uh, on my land. And I thought, you know, there's got to be more just like our phones. There's got to be more to this app and, and to hunting apps that maybe we don't even, we're not even thinking about. So what are some of your favorite ways to use the app for land management? You know, I, I talked about the trace feature, but what do you really like? Yeah. And I, I love that anecdote because it's true. Really what you, what you identified there, the most powerful part about using the app is efficiency and making the most of your time. At the end of the day, like that's what everything boils down to with all the tools of the app. And that's, that's a perfect example. You know, you had to go back out there and use your valuable time to respray when you could have been maybe using that to develop another part of your hunt strategy or hang a stand or do whatever. So that's why I love using the app. And it's one of those things kind of like you get what you put into it, or I guess, uh, you know, you, you take what you can from it, depending on your level of usage. So whether it's just using the app to check the wind conditions before you go out to make sure that you don't waste your time and, and go blow out an area where maybe there's some deer. Um, there's just so many different ways that you can use it to make the most of your time. And that's, that's the one thing that you know, just like land, they aren't manufacturing more time in your life. You only get so much. So every minute counts, especially when you're trying to get out there and hunt. A lot of people just, they only have so much time to hunt and every minute makes a difference. So in terms of other uses of the app that people wouldn't necessarily think of at face value, there's actually a bunch of different things, but I really love to use first and foremost, just the, the basics for it, just mapping out your hunting property so that you know where everything is, you can keep everything organized and you can collaborate with other people who you're hunting with. A uh, great example, I just got back from my family's farm. I was up there this weekend, putting out cameras, trimming shooting lanes, hanging stands. And you mentioned the trace the trace feature or you know the path feature that allows you to essentially leave like a digital breadcrumb trail of where you've gone. I use that this weekend because we were walking into a stand and the only way to get there, it's so nasty and thick is you actually have to take deer trails. We don't have it carved out. We haven't gone in there and done any trail work. So you got to follow deer trails to get in there. It's not an ideal scenario, but that's just what we face there. But the problem is you go in there in the dark a lot of times. And if you just, there's, there's so many deer trails in there that if you split off on the wrong one, it's easy to get turned around in there. Um, whether you're familiar with the place or whether you're just, you know, one of our buddies who maybe we're letting hunt the stand and, they're trying to get in there. So I use that trace feature and laid a path down. So anybody who goes in there now can not only see where the stand is, but they can follow the exact path because that's one of those scenarios as well. where like, 
If you don't follow that exact path, A, you could get turned around. B, you might end up having to go through some, some nasty stuff that you don't want to have to walk through. You might end up walking into the swamp that's in there. And then also just we take that specific path because it's a low impact entry and exit route. Um, even though it's on a deer trail, the way that that stand is set up, it's not on a deer trail necessarily that we're worried about contaminating because the stand isn't set for that trail. And Hey, you got to get in there somehow. There's so many deer in there that there's never going to be a perfect entry and exit. But if you use that one, you're going to minimize your impact and probably have a better hunt. But the problem with that is that you miss out on the opportunity to go through what we went through as, as kids getting into hunting, which was usually had like the hunt, the hunt master. And he was like, all right, man, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go down to the big Oak tree and there's going to be a five gallon bucket. It's turned upside down. You're going to hang a left. And then you go to the, the, the big go to the beer tree. can hanging on yeah. the branch beer can go under the, yeah. under that briar patch yeah. and look for the old steps, not yards yeah. steps. <laughs> oh yeah. That's a great antidote, man. One of the things that I enjoy using it for, well, two things that I use it probably primarily for is acreaging off my plots so I can calculate how much seed I need, how much fertilizer I need, how much herbicide, you know, whatever it may be that you're applying. And also I really enjoy the hunt zone. It automatically calculates your, you know, your wind direction. And I put all my stands where they truly are on the plots and you can, uh, you know, it shows you red, like this is one's bad. This one's green. This one's good. You know, your percent's going to be blowing here. So those are two features that I really enjoy on it. Yeah. Talking about hunt zone and getting your wind right. I'm, I'm definitely going to look forward to talking with you a little bit about hunting wind edges, uh, here in a minute. That's one way I use that, that feature. Uh, but going back to what you were saying, Butch, about planning out those that acreage that's huge right now oh, man, especially when sure. it comes to what herbicides way up fertilizers so way up man got to get as precise as possible so you yeah. don't over or under well not only that and, and you don't you don't want to overseed your plots i mean not just because you don't want to waste money but you don't want to have too much competition in there in your food plots and it's very important to have that and then yeah i mean i've tried to do all kind of different stuff paste it off and range finders ranging the wood lines and trying to figure out how big a a spot is that's nice to be able to come back to the comfort of your computer after you've had a day in the woods and go, okay, how big was that plot? And also sometimes we don't plant the whole plot too, but you know, we may have a three acre no doubt. cleared area, but we're only going to plant say two acres of it. Or we're going to you know leave a little buffer out in front of the stand where we don't plant. That's super helpful. We'll, we'll um, talk about like walking it off and things like that. You know, I mean, we started buying our place in 1999 and, you know, started making the plots and getting the acreage down. And I cannot tell you how many, folders or three ring binders full of notebook paper with you know maps and drawings this one's three acres and they're all lost i mean you lose them right. you run over them with the tractor i mean so have it all in one location is really really beneficial how accurate is it josh like i mean if we're looking at those aerial acreages how confident can we be i would say by doing it with going into the app and and looking at the satellite imagery and zooming in as tight as you possibly can I think the only way that you could get any higher level of accuracy would be if you went in there with a more sophisticated GPS and were actually on the ground dropping markers precisely. But aside from that, I don't think there's any more efficient way that you could do it. Yeah, I like it too, being having the multiple layers on those maps, you know, looking at my place where we're constantly harvesting timber, you know, the satellite imagery on one layer may not show the timber that's been harvested and I can go find a different layer that shows it, or maybe it was a wintertime shot and I, I want, I need a, you know, a summer shot or, you know, when the uh, trees are leafed out, that kind of thing. 
having that ability to kind of toggle back and forth between the two helps me get that perfect, accurate measurement as well. But, you know, you were talking about being able to share the maps with other people that you're hunting with. That's big for the situation you described, being able to say, hey, go in this way, walk this trail in. That's awesome. But I've actually run into using the same feature with contractors and and folks that are working out on the property. Like, for example, we're getting ready to do a timber harvest on my place. Got a forester out there right now. And I'm able to share the hunt stand app with him, let him go in and, and I'm showing him, hey, we want to take, we want to put a fire break right here. We want to make this fire break 30 yards wide and this one 25 yards wide or whatever it is. And then when I change my mind, which I often do, I can just send him a text message and say, hey, I changed it up right there around the gate. I, I made a little bit of difference in the map and, and don't miss that when you start painting trees, getting ready for the harvest. So that was super helpful for me just just with land management. Is there anything else that comes to mind for you when you know when it comes to just land management in general? <laughs> well, before we get to land management, I have a, I have a little hilarious aside, something a story I heard a couple of weeks ago. Uh, somehow, I think some guy maybe wrote into our support or something needed some help with something and uh, our developers got to looking at his account and they saw that he had like 3000 map markers in this one not too big of an area and we're like, is this like the number one power user of the entire hunt stand system. So we've got almost <laughs> 2 million people using the app and they had never seen anything like that. Well, it turns out <laughs> this guy worked, he had a septic business. So he had every septic tank uh, for his accounts or whatever marked in hunt stand. <laughs> so there's wow. like 3000 septic tanks marked in there, but wow. that was what he was using as his app for that application. So just people, we, we get all sorts of crazy stories about people, how people use it. But um, from a land management perspective, uh, yeah, there's the uses are almost infinite. Um, one of the things that you mentioned that you were alluding to before is map layers and our monthly satellite imagery. That's extremely helpful, especially in areas where there's, there is a lot of timber management. Um, because as you know, especially like in the South with a lot of big like pine plantations and stuff, I mean, those make or break hunt areas and hunt strategies. So especially if it's not, if maybe if it's something that you're not personally managing, but you hunt, the last thing you want to do is take vacation and then roll in there and realize that it's been clear cut and you had no idea. So, and there's a lot of guys who have leases or are part of hunting clubs and they're not from the area or they're, they're not managing them themselves. And, you know, it's to get that information. Sometimes, you know, they might have to figure out more creative ways to do it because they can't just drive over there and take a look. So that monthly satellite imagery is really nice. And uh, kind of the way that we explain that is you're, you're trading clarity for recency. So when you look at the monthly satellite imagery, it's not going to be ultra high resolution, but that's because at this point with uh, the satellite technology and, and aerial imagery that's available to us, that's that's the best source we can get for monthly satellite imagery. A lot of people don't realize that the really high resolution stuff that you see from Google Maps is actually taken from airplanes, not satellites. And um, there's only a few major services who you can source satellite imagery from, Google being the primary one. And then there's there's a couple others. But when you have a hunting app like ours, I mean, I hate to say it, some people actually think maybe we have satellites out there, like HuntStand owns a bunch of, a bunch of satellites. We're not quite to that point yet. Maybe at some point in the future, I, I wouldn't see that being out of the question, especially as you know, technology evolves, things become less expensive. But at this point, anybody who runs a hunting app, you got to get your aerial imagery from somewhere. And no matter where you're sourcing it from, you're at their mercy. So 
we get a lot of people writing in or calling in saying, hey, the imagery just changed on the satellite layer and it went from winter where there's no tree cover to you know midsummer and now I can't see any of the game trails and stuff. Well, unfortunately, right. we can't just call up Google and say, hey, uh, we only want to see this time frame. They, Google is a beast and they do what they want, when they want, how they want. And everybody's kind of at their mercy for this type of stuff. But the way we were able to get around that and make it useful for people, at least from a macro perspective for seeing the properties is with that monthly satellite imagery. So somebody who's really wanting to see a big picture perspective, like, hey, is that pine plantation still there? Did they cut two acres out of it? Whatever. It's a really easy way for you to just go month to month. And you can actually go back years to see how things have changed with that. So it's really helpful. Yep. Joe and I've done that on his place at my place. And it is very cool. Like I said, we started buying our place in 99 and we went all the way back and you can see where we started from just pasture. And then, you know, as time, it's really cool to go back and see. That's a cool feature as well. Let's talk about e-scouting a little bit. I know that a lot of people use the app for that as well. I admittedly do not do that as much as I should, but as you, both of you guys are sitting here talking, I mean, right now, right now, I can't believe it's already, you know, where we are up to hunt. I mean, we start here in October 15th, you know, if in Alabama for bow hunting, we're right around the corner. So we're going to be up, you know, feeding troughs, uh, filling up some, you know, nutritious, nutritious, delicious stuff for our deer and bush hogging and cutting trees and limbs. And so I'm just thinking it's, it would be a very easy way to go, man, there's a great trail right here and just mark it as a potential, you know, potential bow hunting spot one. And you could just go around your property as you see things like, you know, down firewood, there's a big tree over here. I need to come back and cut that down. What are some other ways that people could use the app for e-scouting other than just looking and, you know, say, man, this would be a great spot. I need to come back here and put a little more thought into it and putting the marker down. Yeah. I mean, because that is the kind of the topic of this, this episode here is more kind of alternative creative ways to use it. We won't get into all the nuts and bolts of the e-scouting strategy, but um, I can give you one example that makes a lot of sense and is something that people wouldn't necessarily think about doing. And that's with our distance measurement tool. You know, a lot of people just think, all right, I'm just going to use that to see how far it is across this field. Well, that is one way that you can use it. So taking it a step deeper though, like if you're going to set a tree stand somewhere and you know whether it's going to be an archery stand or a shotgun stand or a muzzleloader stand or a rifle stand where you need to be cognizant of shooting distances, a really easy way to consider stand placement before you get out there and to save yourself some time is to sit there on the app before you ever even head out, you know, at home or in the office or, or whatever, and use that distance measurement tool to visualize some of the spots where you might want to have a stand or a blind, and then consider like, all right, where might these deer be coming from, or depending on what you're hunting, whether it's deer, mule deer, elk, etc. If you're going to go to a spot, you're going to want to think about how you approach that spot, how you're going to get into it, how you're going to get out of it, but then also are you going to be able to shoot at the most likely areas where you think those animals might be? And if you're limited to 40 yards with a bow, that's a big difference between being able to shoot three, 400 yards with a rifle. So just kind of visualizing that before you go out there just for shooting distances and even shooting windows is a really effective use of that tool that a lot of people might not consider. It's funny you bring that up because like I mentioned earlier, having a timber harvest coming up and we're planning a few more food plots that we're going to put in. And I'm sitting here looking at things going, all right, I'd like to keep shots under 300 yards. I mean, we could make this food plot longer, but I don't really want to have to shoot any further than that. If, I think if that's I, a good idea for you. Choice. I've, I've seen oh, yeah, you shoot no before. Doubt. You need to keep it close. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, my wife would probably disagree with you that you've given me way too much control over the situation because I'm asking her questions or she sees me staring at this map for hours and hours and hours, you know, laboring over what we're going to do. But it's been really neat to be able to say, you know, if we just take this little bit of different tack on where we're going to harvest timber, my food plot, all my shots are going to be within 300 yards, as opposed to if I go this direction, I'm going to have a 375 yard shot, which is not easy for most folks. And that's been super helpful. And it also is helping me. I mean, Butch, I was just calling you the other day. Do you think these two food plots are too close together? You know, and right. and so yeah, that's like, a great point too. you know, being able to look at the whole property from a macro view and say, you know, all right, I've got two plots, two big food plots here. Am I giving the deer enough space so that they've got cover and they're going to be able to, you know, not be competitive for the same food source and making sure I kind of, and I've changed some things. I've done some things quite differently as far as food plot placement and timber harvest that if I had just gone with my gut and not had measurements and things, I would have put, I would have put them too close together. And now I've kind of feel like I've got the right spacing for all that, uh, just off of that, that one feature, you know, too, I think, uh, I really like the, the, the property info feature. Tell me a little bit more about, you know, kind of some of the ways people are using that. I mean, I look at it and I'm able to see, talk to my neighbors and, and find out who owns the land around me and that kind of thing. But how, how are folks using that feature to help them? Yeah, I, certainly our most popular feature and the reason why the majority of folks upgrade to HuntStand Pro is the property information. We got all 50 states, unless you're getting it during a sale time, it's only $30 for the whole country. So it, it really is hard to beat. But property information, it speaks for itself. I mean, you, you got to know where you're hunting. You got to make sure you're in the right spot. Uh, if you want to knock on a door, you can get somebody's name. But also, you know, like keep notes of things. So if it is a matter of, of getting permission from people, or even if you're on public land and maybe you meet the game warden, you want to you know, be able to reach them if something happens, or you just want to get in touch with them for some reason, like make notes on that stuff as you're looking at these properties and you can outline them. You can color code them. One thing that I like to do personally, which I actually just filmed a video about last week is I like to color code my property boundaries uh, in a couple of different ways. First of all, private versus public. I like to outline my public land as one color and my private ground as another color. But then also I like to choose an intermediate color for properties that I'm interested in, where maybe I want to go further explore, whether it's public or private. And if it's private, you know, I want to have that outlined so that when I'm driving out there, I can say, okay, that's right. I want to stop by that place and knock on their door and see if I can get permission for turkey season or deer season or whatever it is. And then, you know, as you're going out there, you're looking at your map. Oh, well, why is that one gray? Oh, that's right. I wanted to stop and talk to that guy. And he wasn't there last time because he was out plowing a field or something. Well, make that note so that you don't all of a sudden drive out to an area and then you go home and you're like, oh man, I forgot I was going to, I was going to stop and try to talk to that farmer. And Hey, it's two hours away. I'm not going to be able to, I don't know the guy's number. I'm not going to be able to talk to him to the next time I drive up there. So just very practical uses, but also stuff that you might not think of. I mean, everybody for the most part, you go into the property info layer and you just, you say, okay, there's the boundaries. That's who owns it. And a lot of people just kind of stop there. They want to make sure that they're not trespassing, but there, there are a lot deeper ways that you can get into it. And then we also have an advanced parcel search. So you can search for multiple land holdings with the same owner, which is big. If you're somebody who's trying to get permission properties or even just trying to lease ground, or also if you get permission from a guy, let's say you 
see a nice little 80 acre piece or whatever, where there's some turkeys and you want to go hunt, hunt the gobbler and, you know, you roll in there and get permission to go hunt the turkey. Well, you look at the advanced parcel search and then you realize that, hey, this guy's actually got 600 acres in this county. Right. So next time you go over there and chit chat with them, say, hey, man, what about that other property you got down the road? You think I can get in on that? Again, it is what you make of it. And the deeper you dig in, dig into it and use the features, you'll kind of unveil these little hidden gems that make your strategy better. And, you know, this is something that I haven't run into because, I mean, pretty much every deer I shoot dies almost immediately. Of you know, course. Within 10 yards, I would say. At least. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, you kind of combine those two features. You combine the trace feature with that property info. I've been able to follow blood trails, for example. When I'm following a blood trail, guess what? Instead of having, I'm still going to maybe drop a little piece of um, a toilet paper here and there. Just give me that visual indicator. But I'm going to have that trace feature on too. And what it allows me to do is when I'm done, if I find that deer, it's pretty fun to be able to go back and look and see where that deer actually went. Because when you're in the field, you know, you think, oh, he was traveling Northwest and you, you come back and you find I was actually running due West, you know, or, or Southwest. And you just had, you were disoriented because of the way you were on the property. It's really neat to be able to go back and look at those things through that trace feature. But also if you can trace that bloodline uh, or blood trail, all the way up to say a property boundary. And now you've got the, the neighbor, uh, maybe you've made contact with them, maybe you haven't, but you can reach out to them and then show them physically where you are on the property. Hey, this I'm trailing a deer. It's gone into your property right about here. Can I go in and continue the search? And another cool way to use both of those features. Definitely. Um, I would think too, and I haven't done it this way, but I would think using that, that trace feature to also grid search would be helpful as well. If you do lose the blood trail you think about how many times we've tried to kind of start grid search in an area and it's very easy to lose your your bearings and you know as well as i do it doesn't take much to miss a deer that's laying in some thick cover uh even if you've made a killing shot and, and having that trace tool to help you grid search uh would be this is awesome i, I the, the trace tool has been the thing that's kind of opened my eyes here recently all lots of different ways you can use that and then go to going back to what you were saying about the accuracy, if you don't want to measure, use that area measurement tool, you can literally just turn that trace tool on, go to your food plot and literally walk the boundary, you know, and then you know exactly where it is. Be super helpful in that way. Guys, let's take a quick break and hear from this week's sponsors. Fatanas Defense, Masters of Darkness, is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Fatana 16 millimeter filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and their hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Patanus Defense, Masters of Darkness. And also brought to you by Great Days Outdoors magazine. If you're frustrated with typical hunting and fishing magazines and tired of reading content, then for guys that are up in the north or up in the Midwest, check out Great Days Outdoors magazine. Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't fish or hunt in your home state. 
you can pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and it will help you become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. I want to get into talking about wind a little bit. Butch, you mentioned it earlier with the hunt zone feature. Very helpful, especially bow season. Oh, yeah. I mean, as I've gotten older and hopefully gotten a little bit better at chasing mature deer, one of the things that I've started to pay a lot more attention to are what what I call wind edges. You know, and we've got all these different tools at our disposal, trail cameras being one of them. When you have a food source that you're able to pattern a deer using, and you get a pretty good feel for the wind directions that he likes to come to that food source. If you start to look at it over time, you can say, okay, I've got a picture of this mature deer in the daylight at this food source or at this spot. And he only comes in there when it's a Northwest wind or a West wind. And so to me as a hunter, I'm saying, well, he feels comfortable in that area on a Northwest wind and on a West wind. So I don't want to go in there unless he's going to be there. But the problem is the reason that he feels comfortable is because he can pretty much smell what's there. And so how do you position your tree stand so that you can give him the wind that he wants to feel comfortable, but not enough of the wind that he's going to smell you before he gets there? So, Josh, I want you to kind of take me through how you use Hunt Zone. I mean, that's kind of how I use it uh, in a nutshell. How do you use it? Yeah. So hunt zone. And for those who are listening, who are not familiar with that feature or uh, maybe aren't clear on what we're talking about, it's a visual wind map. So it shows where your scent cone or where your scent stream is going to blow hour by hour by hour over the course of multiple days based on the wind forecast. So just like with everything in my strategy, I like to start from a wider perspective, uh, more of a macro level, and then narrow it down. And if you're talking about wind, like you said, I mean, you, if you're trying to effectively hunt whitetails, you know, you should have a, a reasonable idea of what's going to be going on with movement patterns before you ever even consider going to sit a stand or jump in a ground blind, whatever your setup is. If you're just going in there blind, you're really limiting yourself. So once you've done that pre-scouting, maybe run some trail cameras, maybe done some glassing, you know, to try to get an idea of what these deer are doing and how they're moving. Well, then it's a matter of trying to surgically figure out when you're going to go in and strike. And certainly it's arguable that the single biggest implication for that time of when you're going to strike is going to be the wind direction. And like you said before, if you've got it narrowed down enough, if you're going after a specific deer, even where you can, you can understand what wind directions they're utilizing to access a spot. That's great. That's like, that's like taking it to the deepest level that you can, but either way, you want to have a general idea of how those deer are moving in that area, how they're accessing it and how they're comfortable getting in and out of there. So once you've done that, you should have an idea of what the favorable wind direction is going to be. So then at that point, once you figure out, you know, I got a couple of days off, where am I going to go hunt? You know, you're going to have the wind direction and the deer movement figured out for hopefully a couple of different spots to give yourself options. And then you're going to sit at home and you're going to look at hunt stand. You're going to look at the hunt zone wind map and see, okay, I can go hunt Saturday evening. What stand is going to be the best for that wind? And then hopefully you're going to be able to get in there and strike. But I want to caution people that wind is, is a, a factor that 
And generally, it's pretty consistent in a forecast, but you want to pay attention to it throughout the entire process from two days before you're considering to go hunt to the before you leave your house to go hunt to when you're sitting there in your truck and you're actually about to get out and go walk in somewhere like double check it, triple check it. And then once you're there, even ground check it, if you can, you know, throw up some uh, milkweed or however you like to do it and just make sure that things are as, as they were forecasted. And then think about your entrance strategy. How are you going to be able to get into that spot? Uh, a lot of people only think about how the wind is going to affect their hunt from the place that they're going to be hunting at. Okay. What's it doing from that stand? Well, that doesn't really matter if you go in there and you blow the whole thing up to begin with, because you come in the wrong way. So figure out what your entrance strategy is going to be. And then once you get up there, you're talking about hunting wind edges. Now that's, that's like a next level of strategy. No different than how you talked about identifying individual deer movements based on wind direction. Hunting the wind edges can be really, really deadly, especially for bucks and mature bucks. And what we mean by that is figure out how that animal is going to be approaching an area and set up your ambush, tree stand, ground blind, whatever, so that he's still going to think that he has the advantage and he's still going to be able to move in with the wind in his face to a certain degree, at least. And then you're going to be able to hunt him just off the fringe of where you're, th where you think he's going to come in from so that he still feels like he has the advantage, but yet he's also going to hopefully be in shooting range when he does come in. So a lot of times when you do these, it's going to be like a roll of the dice because, Hey, you know, let's say a, a deer is leaving a swamp, coming to a staging area and then going to a food plot. Well, he might have three or four trails that he uses coming out of that swamp. And, you know, they might be 10 yards apart. They may be 50 yards apart. They may be a hundred yards apart. He might not use the same trail every time, but you got to try to use your best guess. Cause a lot of times with, with those older deer, you got to have some level of risk to get the drop on them. So if you can do your best to guess where he's going to be coming from and hunt that edge. So he's going to have that confidence and you're still going to have a shot. I mean, that's really the ultimate scenario. I don't know if you want to, maybe if you guys want to maybe describe that in your own way, but. I, I think the thing I, I hear you say too, and I want to be clear about this, like I screw this up a lot. So don't think that I'm sitting here saying, oh yeah, I know where every time where the deer is going to enter the field and I go out there and I hunt the wind edge and he comes in within bow range and I kill him. A lot of times I hear him snort uh, and run off and it's because I didn't get it right. But what it does is it gives me the data that I needed to know that I, w I didn't set up correctly. And every single time I learn a situation like that, uh, that's a data point. And then using the, like the hunt zone, you know, that, that wind predictor, for example, that gives me a good idea. So, okay, this stand is not in the right spot and I can move it. And it may not be till the next season that I end up getting that, getting the drop on, on yeah, an animal. It could be a long spot. game sometimes. Yeah. But I've got the right data that helps me make decisions in the future, as opposed to, gosh, I, sometimes I wonder how I killed a deer back in the day, you know, just because it was kind of like what you were talking about. I was like, well, that I saw some tracks down there. I'm going to go hang a stand yeah. and uh, <laughs> hunt. And I think I just got lucky a lot. And I think a lot of times I got snorted at a lot. What I have noticed about my own hunts is that as I started to pay more attention to these things, I just don't get busted as much as I used to. I, I get busted a lot less frequently. You're still going to get busted. There's still going to be the deer that you didn't yeah. 
know that was coming in and and that kind better, of thing. Better but, educated guesses. And I think something yeah. oh, that Josh, yeah. Josh said that stuck out to me is the the coming and going. I think people blow that a lot. Oh, yeah. The ingress and the egress is huge. Yeah. You know, it gets back to that mapping and kind of like food plot placement and stand placement and things. You know, you can look in there and you say, well, this there's a bunch of deer activity in this one spot. And I want to hang a stand in there. But if you can't get in there or get out of there without messing it up, then it's not a good spot to hunt. And those deer are going to be somewhere else too. So, you know, thinking about those kind of things uh, and having that data, not only, you know, when you're staring at your computer, thinking about this stuff, but also just right there in the field, being able to make those decisions. I use it with all different kinds of hunting. The, the other way that I've used the app, and this is actually what, what got me into HuntStand Pro, uh, the paid version, was stand reservations. You know, uh, I own some land, but also lease some land with six other guys, a couple thousand acres that we lease. And we've done it the way we always have done it. You got a dry erase board there kind of in the center of the property everybody goes to and you you sign out your section and and that's where you were for the day. And everybody, the only way you know where everybody is, is to go to the sign out board and see where everybody is. And most people hunting lease land have probably experienced something similar to that. And what we ran into was, you know, we had multiple access points into the property. You had a we had a road coming into the Northwest. We had a road coming into the Southeast. We had the, the sign-in box there in the center of the property. And if you wanted to go hunt, you know, say the Northwest corner of this 2000 acres, you had to drive all the way into the center of the property, sign out, drive all the way back out, go all the way back up to the Northwest. I mean, you're talking about literally a 45 minute penalty so that you could write your initials on a dry erase board. And we were turned on to the stand reservations feature in hunt stand and that alone is worth it just just for that one feature just for one day to not have to you know to not have to go in 45 minutes out of the way yeah out of the way uh sign that out and the other cool thing about that is you know we turkey hunt a lot you a lot a lot of times you sign out one area you're going to go hunt this 200 acre block and you get in there and nothing's happening it's mid-morning you want to go to a new area well if everybody else on the property doesn't know what's going on at the sign-in board then you're taking some risks by going back to that signing board, signing out a new spot and not having a way to communicate that to everyone. And so what I really like about that stand reservations feature is if I'm out in the field and let's say I've got a turkey goblin and he's on the next section over, I can look over and see, is anybody there? And then if they're not, I can go in, sign out that section, tell everybody, Hey, I'm about to go over there and chase this bird and then go. And I don't have to drive all the way back to camp to do it. That's been that one feature alone has made the pro membership worth it for me easily. Yeah. The other aspect of that, um, which there are a, a few other features that reflect this as well, but it is truly it's safety. Uh, it's really, really easy to overlook that, but you know, just so people know where other people are. I yep. mean, if you're going hunting anywhere, at least one person person should, should know at least the general area where you're going to be. I have a, a story that speaks to that for many years ago, I was in Wisconsin bow hunting with my uncle and we got a, a phone call from uh, one of the in-laws and well, it was, it was actually uh, his wife and the guy's name was Gerald and Gerald hadn't come home when he was supposed to. And it was probably about two hours after she expected him. And so we went out and started looking for him and it's always a, a gut wrenching feeling. And so we didn't know where he was. I mean, there was multiple properties, multiple stands he could have been on. Some of them were big, some of them were small, but we started and just started narrowing it down and driving out there and yelling for him. And I think it was about the third spot we got to, we honked the horn and yelled and 
we could hear him respond yelling from in the woods. So we went in there and found him and he was uh, an older guy and hunting out of an old traditional tree stand with two by fours nailed into the tree. And anybody who's not wearing a, a harness and a lifeline these days is, is making a mistake. And that was, that was proof. I mean, this was back in the day, right? Right. When people were really starting to take tree stand safety uh, more serious, but sure enough, he was coming down from his stand. One of those two by fours ripped out of the tree. He fell backwards onto his back, broke his back and, uh, also missed, uh, also missed the exposed arrow and broadhead by about a foot that almost penetrated him. So, um, we were able to fortunately get him out of there and they were able to, to get him taken care of, but sure enough, his, his back was broken. And I think he was uh, mid sixties, maybe low seventies at the time. So if we wouldn't have found him that night, there's no telling what would have happened on those injuries. So being able to use that stand reservation tool for organization management, and then also safety is, is something that I think is really valuable. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. It's not just, it's not just for leases and people that are hunting, you know, it's for your wife being able to share or your spouse or your hunting buddy to say, Hey man, yep. I'm going out this afternoon. Uh, if you need to know where I am, I'm just check the hunt stand app. Yeah. And, and for people who uh, maybe it's not practical for everybody to use the stand reservation tool. I mean, that's more of a, that's a better scenario where there are multiple people involved in hunting one property. And it's just, it's a great way to be able to communicate and not step on each other's toes. But for maybe if it's only a couple of guys or whatever out there and you still want to uh, have an idea where everybody is, we also have a real-time location sharing feature. And it's great, not only for hunting buddies to use amongst each other, just to keep track of where people are and not step on each other's toes. And um, I mean, where it's legal, you can also use it strategically. If you're doing deer drives or something, you can see where everybody is. But also we really encourage people to, whether it's your your best friend or your brother or your sister or your spouse, share your location with those people for the safety aspect. For sure. Sometimes it's a matter of, of minutes or hours that can make the difference if somebody gets hurt. And to be able to find them quickly, you can use that feature. Yep. That's a great point, man. I d- didn't think about it until you just said that. I mean, even like having guests up to your place, you know, your place or my place, Joe, I mean, you know, my place probably better than, you know, any of the other guests, but y'all just always put me in the gar hole anyway. So it <laughs> <laughs> puts you in the in-law stand. All right. But I mean, you know, if I said I'm going bow hunting down at the persimmon tree at the rattlesnake tree, you know what I mean? You, I for, if I, something were to happen to me, how are you going to come find me? Yeah, oh, that's a great point. I like that aspect a lot. Josh, I think we've hit on a bunch of different reasons why you'd can use a hunting, a hunting app, uh, like HuntStand, And there's probably a bunch of stuff that we've either glossed over or, or hadn't thought of, or hadn't found yet as, as ways to use it. But, uh, I've definitely enjoyed talking to you. I've enjoyed using the app and finding lots to do and different ways to use it. It helps me a lot. I've probably spent way too much time on there and don't get the amount of work done. I should get done because I'm staring at it a lot, but, uh, it's a lot of fun to pull it up on desktop and, and then, having it be able to, you know, migrate immediately over to mobile. And, you know, if I want to go in and kind of fine tune things on my desktop where I got a bigger screen and use my mouse and then have that stuff show up on mobile when I'm out in the field and then make little changes out in the field. If I want to come, come in and polish it back up on desktop, I really like that aspect as well. If, if folks want to check out the hunt stand app, check out some of the content you guys produce, y'all produce a lot of content yourself. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. I would encourage people to go to huntstand.com. That's where you can uh, access your account or create a new account. That's where you can find almost all of our content. Otherwise, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, HuntStand, 
at HuntStand for all of those. You'll be able to find us at any of those platforms. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Don't forget about our sponsors and make sure you support them when you're out in the marketplace. MB Ranch King. MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free hunting blinds are constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. They also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And also brought to you by United Bank. United Bank knows what an important role agriculture plays in our local economy. At United Bank, they are here to support local farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness, including real loans for farmland, equipment loans, working lines of credit, and more. Truth is, they deeply value the contribution agriculture makes to our communities, and they help local farmers build successful businesses. They want you to succeed. Learn more at unitedbank.com or stop by at any United Bank branch. United Bank, all loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. Man, I really enjoyed how Josh broke everything down. And man, there's so many ways to use these apps these days. It's almost like you're handicapping yourself if you're not super involved in these. I know you use it more than I do. You're super uh, in tune with your land right now. Try and get everything figured out because it's still super new to you. Yep. Some great stuff, man. One thing that I I thought of whenever you were asking Josh the last question, you mentioned game cameras. And that is a thorn in my side at my place is game camera locations. It seems like um, hopefully it'll be a little better now that we have the barn owls and we have the uh, battery situation solved a little more with the solar panel bundle, I hope. But, um, you know, you put 20 of those things out or 10 of them or how many ever you got and the batteries die. And then, you know, if I put it out, you know, my brother goes and gets it, uh, puts it in his truck or whatever, and they end up getting lost. I can't tell you how many of those stinking things that I've lost over the past five years. Right. So if you were able to, you know, mark each one of those locations and share it with everybody that you're hunting with, that you now you may not want to share all your game camera locations with yeah. them. I know my dad doesn't sneaky little guy. But. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, so yeah, like you said, it's nice to be able to share things. And a lot of people may say, well, I don't want to share everything. I have multiple maps on hunt stands. So, right. you know, like I've got my timber harvest map. The only thing that's on that map is the information that the forester and the loggers are going to need to go in right. and harvest timber. I've so they don't also have got, access to all your hunting stands. Well, yeah, they don't have access to it, but it's also not clouding up their view. Like they don't need to know where we go pick chanterelles in the summer. Like right. that would just, that would just confuse them if they saw all the different markers I've got on my property. And then like, if you come up to my property and hunt, like there will be like no markers. It'll just be this. You're on your own. You know, right. so Good that luck. might be like the butch version of the <laughs> right. map. But, right. but no, but seriously, I mean, I, I have like a map that marks all the hunting locations and food sources and things like that. I have one for foresters. I have a burn unit map that marks out all my different burn units and it allows me to kind of toggle between each version. And then I can make some of those public if I want to and some of them private if I want to. And I can keep some just for me or share some with other people. Uh, it's a really nice feature that. I, it's one of those things where you don't know how many ways you'll use it until you just start using it. Right. And, and then once you, I mean, you only really need to find one thing where you go, man, that's totally worth it. I, right. Your aha I, moment. Like I need I wouldn't that. Want to I need do that. That's it. why I need that. Right. Yeah. I just, no I also just wonder like, how did we do it back in the day? We would just <laughs> go like, go, you know, we'd go out in the woods 
we'd like find some sign and then we'd go back to an aerial map and look at it and be like, I think I was right in here. How many times were we just way off? And then we'd like walk in there in the dark and find it again. Like, yeah, I just must be a really great woodsman. Definitely, man. That's definitely it. (laughs) Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list. And wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Huntland Show is brought to you by Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website, southernseedfeed.com, to find the dealer nearest you. And also buy the Hunter's Bait Lowdown Trail Cam Reviewer. The Lowdown High Speed Trail Cam Viewer has flipping fast technology that allows you to view images three times faster on a screen that is 60% bigger than typical 7 inch viewers. Find out more at lowdownviewer.com. And also buy Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a full service facility that sells new and used boats and motors. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also brought to you by Boaters List. Boaters List is your new, reliable, and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. Locate anything from fuel docks, to service repairs, or rentals of large yachts, all the way down to paddle boards, and all things in between. BoatersList.com will always strive to make it better on the water. And also, United Bank. United Bank supports our farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness. United Bank is building stronger communities every day. All loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC.